Young, back to throw. In trouble, he's going to be sacked. No, gets away. He runs, gets away again, goes to the 40, gets away again, to the 35, cuts back at the 30, to the 20, the 50, the 10. He dies. Touchdown, 49ers. Hey, everyone. Welcome to another edition of the 49ers Web Zone No Huddle Podcast. I'm Al Sacco. Along with me, as always, is my co-host, Zane Nakfi. And Zane, we made it to a second show, buddy. We did it, yes. We uh, <laughs> had a pretty good response from our first show, but, but you know, it's, it's a big day today, a lot of news, and, uh, and we have a guest. We do, we do. Uh, absolutely thrilled to have our first official guest. It's a big day for us. Um, you know, you no doubt have read his work at NinersWire.com. He's on the beat. He's a beat writer for the 49ers. We are thrilled to be able to welcome Mr. Chris Biderman. Chris, how are you? I'm good. You guys didn't tell me I was your first guest. We're the first. This is only like, our second show, like man. I feel like you're wasting <laughs> your your first guest your, your first guest not on me. I feel like you guys could do better. <laughs> no, I, th- I think I think you know this is a great. It's it, this is a great thing, you know. Um, we just started last week and got a great response, and you know we're just thrilled to have you, Chris. Thank you, thank you so much uh, for being on. I, yeah, no, no problem. I'm happy to be here. And, and Chris, the, the big news that I want to get into, and, and we will get into it because anybody who follows me on Twitter knows I'm obsessed with Kirk Cousins, and, and we'll get into that that news. Um, but I wanted to start out. I want to ask you about John Lynch. So, when Lynch was hired as the general manager, the move to me it was so out of left field. I remember sitting on my couch, and I'm, I'm looking at my phone as I always am. And I saw the news break and just sat there with my mouth open for about 30 seconds because it was such a shock. I don't think anyone saw it coming. And no one really knew what to expect or how he was going to approach it. But when you look at him in the early going, the people he surrounded himself with, like Adam Peters, you know, a great personnel guy, the aggressiveness with going out and getting an Earl Mitchell or a Kwan Williams, you can't help but be impressed with Lynch right now. So what was your initial reaction when you heard that Lynch got the job? And, and were your early impressions of him so far? I, I was with you. I was really surprised. And, and um, you know, you see the news come in. I think it was a Sunday night and I'm winding down my weekend, uh, you know, thinking about opening a cold refreshment and getting ready for, for a good night's sleep. <laughs> and then all of a sudden this John Lynch thing comes out and, and it sounds so far out of left field. And, and the 49ers, you know, they, they tried to be transparent with their GM and coaching searches by announcing all their interviews. But the one guy that they didn't announce was Lynch. And, and he talked a lot about the reasons why having to do with his family, but also because he wanted to see if he could trust the 49ers front office to not let the news get out, which I thought was really interesting and sort of colored the colored the hire f- from that standpoint, just because he's going into this with his eyes open. It seems like he, he understands that uh, what, what a lot of the issues were with, with the 49ers, you know, the last couple of years when, there would be unflattering reports coming out of the building to, to national writers. And, and he was aware of that. And I think that was, that was good for him. And, you know, as inexperienced as he is, I, I think the, one of his better qualities is that he knows what he doesn't know. Um, like you said, he's surrounding himself mm-hmm. with good people to, to, to fill in the gaps, uh, you know, getting a, w- w- given his lack of personnel experience to get someone like Adam Peters is a good hire. And, and from the administrative side to get a former GM and, and Martin Mayhew, um, you know, it w- w- was another was another good development for the 49ers. So I think, you know, it, it sounds like the, the 49ers also are, are really uh, it's it's become really clear that they want the message out to fans. They want, 
they want Lynch talking and, and doing, you know, his media thing. He's, he's been on tons of radio shows. Um, he's done tons of interview spots where, you know, he, and he oozes positivity and, and that's a really good thing. Um, but it indicates the 49ers were cognizant of, of maybe some PR issues. Um, you know, Trent Baalke wasn't one to ever do media appearances um, unless he absolutely had to. And, and, you know, he would tell us off the cuff and when we would meet with him either, you know, before the draft or, or during training camp, how much he, he just really despised talking to media. And that, and that was kind of part of his personality. And, uh, and Lynch is the complete opposite from that standpoint. So, you know, Lynch is, is um, talking about, you know, communicating and teamwork and, and uh, you know, really wanting the, the fans to be proud of what they're doing. And, and those weren't things that you heard from the previous administration. So, um, I think in, in terms of, you know, his ability to surround himself with good people to make up for areas that he might lack, just given his inexperience, I think that's that's a positive. And the fact that, you know, they're they're putting out a united front, they're talking publicly and and um and really being more transparent than the previous administration, I, I think that's that's a positive sign and, and we'll see if it works. You know, we still have no idea that this could all be you know, flowers and cake and ice cream, but, you know, we really don't know if they know how to evaluate talent or if we know how to, if they know how to build a football team or not. So that's, that's what's exciting about this off season. And, and uh, given that they have such a blank slate with all this cap space and, and the second overall pick, um, you know, they they have a good, they, they're at a good starting point. Yeah, Chris, uh, Zane here. So, um, you talked a little bit about the PR issues and and the things that have coming out leaking leaking from Santa Clara. Do you feel like the perception of the 49ers has changed around the league since Lynch and Shanahan were hired? Um, we heard Kareem Hunt today talk about how um, he would be a good fit for the 49ers and feel comfortable with John Lynch and felt comfortable talking to John Lynch. Um, what do you feel about the perception of the 49ers? Yeah, I think it's changed. I, I think, you know, ultimately Trent Baalke he was a guy who just loved football and loved scouting. And that's really, that's really what his passion was. Like he, he didn't want to deal with, um, you know, the, the publicity side of things and he didn't want to deal with the interviews and, and everything that came along with it. And he said famously in that press conference after Jim Harbaugh was like, Oh, that, you know, are we transparent in anything we do? Well, it, it's, you know, John Lynch is the exact opposite of that. Um, would Trent Baalke would love to, you know, fly around the country and, and go to small schools to scout prospects. You know, John Lynch is not that guy. He's much more of a, uh, much more of a face of the franchise type guy, the guy who wants to put people in place um, to do their jobs. Whereas Trent Baalke seems like he wanted to, to do everything on his own. He wanted to, um, he, he was the one making the final call on, draft day despite you know maybe what some people what information he was given he it didn't sound like he put a whole ton of trust into into people within the scouting department from from things that I've heard so um yeah I think I, I think it doesn't hurt right now I think Kyle Shanahan has a lot of credibility in terms of um his coaching resume and everything he brings to the table from that standpoint I think uh, you look at everyone who was hired and, and going into the hiring process and the coaching cycle this year, I, I thought, you know, Shanahan and Josh McDaniels were, were far and away the two best candidates, uh, particularly with offensive backgrounds. So the fact that the 49ers were able to get Kyle Shanahan, considering 
uh, all of the turmoil of the last few years, I think that was a positive for them. So, yeah, I do. I do think they're operating from from a place of, of more credibility as an or, as an organization with John Lynch, just given his people skills and his ability to communicate, um, and Kyle Shanahan's coaching acumen. I think uh, I think that benefits the 49ers right now. Yeah, it's it's nice. It's nice, isn't it, to have uh, a little bit of a positive vibe around this team. It's it's almost as if, uh, and Al and I have a running joke where um, the previous GM will not be mentioned by name, but <laughs> it's almost <laughs> where, uh, you know, Trent Baalke was kind of a, a dark cloud that started to hang over this organization, and everybody could feel it. You could feel it from inside. You could feel it from outside, and, you know, it just really cast the 49ers in a bad light. I don't want to put everything on him. But, uh, you know, he was definitely a part of the problem, and it feels like that's that's really changed now. Yeah, I would I would think so. I mean, you look you look just up the road, you know, with the Warriors, just as an example, from a from an organizational culture standpoint. And, and like everybody in that organization is is, you know, a people person, really good communicator. They're very collaborative and and they want to put as many people in a room, as many smart people in a room and collaborate and, and figure out the best solution to whatever problem they're facing. And with Trent Baalke, it didn't seem like he was nearly inclusive um, with that thinking. And he certainly wasn't a people person. Um, he was very much an introvert, which isn't a knock on him. But when you're when you're the most important person in a football operation like this, um, I, I think it's it's better to be open to collaboration. It's better to be open to you know, picking people's brains and, and finding people that that might know things and, and have certain expertise that, that you lack. Um, so, you know, I, I think John Lynch represents the other side of that. And, and you see that a lot when, when in sports when, you know, new coaches get hired or, or new GMs. It's it's often the opposite of, of the previous guy. Um, you know, you could – Jim Tom Sula was, was virtually the complete opposite of Jim Harbaugh. Um, and Chip Kelly was was basically a complete opposite of Jim Tom Sula. So Jed York has has made a habit of of finding the op- opposite personalities from from the previous, um, you know, the previous regimes. So I think um, I think that they're they're at a good point with with John Lynch and, and Kyle Shanahan with what they're doing. And you can, you know, giving them the six year contracts. They Jed York probably had to give them six year contracts just because of everything that's happened these last few years, just for a security standpoint. But um, yeah, I think, I think the 49ers are in a good spot just because they have a, a new front office and a new group of people that's, that's willing to work together more, more so than the previous regime. Absolutely. And, you know, John Lynch told 49ers fans to stay awake during free agency, which sounds like he's going to be very aggressive, which is another anti-bulky thing to do. So, Chris, are there some names you've heard being linked to the Niners in free agency, or, or just even beyond that? What do you think would be a good fit? Um, I, you know, you hear about um, Alshon Jeffrey a little bit, and and Mike Garofolo of NFL Network said this week that he he thought the 49ers were the uh, were the early favorites to get him. I'm, I mean, I. I you look at the, his last two years, and and I don't know if he's a guy that you really want to be giving a big money contract to at this point. Just he he was suspended for PED use last year. He's coming off two straight sub uh, thousand yard seasons, so it, he could be a good fit at the right price. I think he's a good player and he's talented, but I question you know his effort. Um, he's not really a, a very fast guy, you know. So 
if you want to if you want to pay him, you're you're going to have to end up paying him top flight receiver money um, because it's going to be a competitive market. And and given what you've seen the last couple of years from him, is he going to be a guy that you trust making all that money um, on a team that might not be winning very much right away? So I, I question the Alshon Jeffrey thing um, <clears throat> a little bit from that standpoint, but. I think Pierre Garçon would be a really interesting guy just because, you know, we Me talk too. about, we, you talk about stopgap quarterbacks and, uh, and finding a veteran to maybe, you know, bring along a, a, a younger quarterback or prospect or whatever. I think Pierre Garçon could be that player from the receiver position. I think, you know, he obviously, he had the best season of his career with Kyle Shanahan. I want to say in 2013 with Washington, he had 1300 yards and I think well over a hundred catches. And, and he's sort of that Anquan Bolden type physical possession receiver um, that really works well opposite someone like Torrey Smith. So I think uh, Pierre Garçon would make sense, and I don't think he would be terribly expensive. Um, and if you have to pay a little bit more for him, just from the value he brings from a leadership perspective, um, you know, it's a locker room that doesn't have a ton of leadership, a ton of swagger. Uh, so I think Garçon could be that guy and, and sort of be a, a younger, maybe. You know he's probably not going to go to the Hall of Fame like Anquan Bolden, but a, but a similar player, um, and and the fact that he has familiarity and has been productive with with Kyle Shanahan would be an added plus. Um, I think that they have to take a long look at Dante Hightower if if he's not going to. Um, he's he didn't get the franchise tag from New England, but he's a guy who would be a perfect fit on defense just in terms of what he brings leadership wise and and in the locker room like I mentioned and. He could play all over that defensive front. It sounds like they're going to run a, a four-three, and they and they want to, you know, try to replicate what the Seahawks do. But I think they're going to be really versatile. Um, they're not going to be stuck with the four-three. They're going to be, <clears throat> excuse me, moving guys all over the place. So I think Dante Hightower is a guy who could play, you know, inside at the second level. He could rush the passer from the edge. Um, he's obviously experienced and he he's versatile. Um, and, and could potentially fit if he doesn't come to a long-term deal with the Patriots. And, and we know the Patriots, uh, you know, are, are leery about overpaying players. And, you know, they, they traded away Jamie Collins um, and, uh, and Chandler Jones this last, off, or this last season, and, and they still won the Super Bowl. So, um, you know, I think, I think he probably ends up going back to New England, but if not, I think the 49ers should, should be aggressive with him. Um, let's see. What about Patrick DeMarco? You know, kind of some the, not the quite high-priced guys. Yeah, the fullback. I see some of those those ex-Shanahan guys maybe that are more role players, maybe a Jacob Tammy, maybe a DeMarco, the fullback, kind of maybe sliding in under the radar. What do you think about that? Yeah, I, th- I think DeMarco makes a lot of sense. They don't have any fullbacks, so and he's a free agent, um, and we don't know if, if – I don't know if the if the Falcons are going to need a fullback in their new offense next year. But, um, mm-hmm. yeah, Patrick DeMarco would make a lot of sense. Um, they could draft a fullback or pick one, you know, take an undrafted free agent guy. But yeah, DeMarco would make sense. I I think anybody, it's going to be a complicated offense um, with a lot of nuance. And, and so, you know, anybody that they could bring in with familiarity would, would benefit them. So yeah, like you mentioned, Jacob Tammy, um, DeMarco, I I, I think all of those guys would make sense, but I don't know, you know, it'll be the the interesting thing that I'm curious to see is if, the Niners are going to be a team that gives out, you know, an Olivier Vernon type contract. If they, if they give someone, you know, 40 million guaranteed and, and 15 some million a year, just to do it. I'm curious to see, because, you know, if you're not a great team, those contracts often don't pan out. 
So, uh, so I'm, I'm curious to see if they do that, just, just given the fact that they have six-year deals and, and they don't necessarily have to turn things around right now. I almost, I almost feel like you have to overpay a little bit considering you're coming off a 2-14 and 14 season. And, and although the perception is, has changed somewhat, as you mentioned, you know, just that record kind of, I mean, it kind of scares people away, doesn't it? It could, but uh, yeah, it could. I think well, one thing that they they'll have to account for more too is is just the California state taxes and and things like that. I think right. these guys want a chance to play. Um, they want to be in a good culture and with a good organization that takes care of them. Um, and you see teams, you know, not not often come back from two and fourteen to the playoffs, but you see teams like Atlanta last year. I think they went six and ten, and then you know in 2015 and then went to the Super Bowl last season. So, you know, teams turn around quickly. It it wouldn't totally surprise me if the 49ers got a good quarterback or an experienced quarterback like Kirk Cousins if they were more competitive um than people thought. And and maybe that's what they could sell to free agents and say, "Hey, look, if, you know, if if we get this quarterback or you know, we we obviously like what kind of offense we're going to be running and we have some young talent on defense and we have some gaps that we need to fill in, but um, you know, they could sell the, the free agents that, Hey, you could be that player. And, you know, there, there's opportunity for a turnaround here and that could be really good for your career. Um, and you could be in a leadership role. You could be at the forefront of, of, of changing things. So that might be the, the sales pitch. Um, but yeah, they might have to overpay, like I said, from, uh, just from a sales, uh, uh, you know, California state tax sales point, just, just because, you know, Barry is a pretty expensive place to live these days. Yeah, I, I I really wish I got overpaid for my job. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know, kind of keeping on the free agent uh, free agency topic here, um, I, I gotta you know I gotta mention this, and uh, he's he's a lightning rod for both criticism and praise uh, amongst Forty Nine er fans. But Colin Kaepernick opted out of his deal, so he officially mm-hmm. becomes a free agent for the first time in his career, and that leaves the Forty ers without a quarterback on the roster. Do you see? any possible way that he returns or uh, are the Niners just better off cutting ties at this point and moving forward? I, I personally think the, the situation has run its course. Um, you know, he's had three years post Jim Harbaugh and the 49ers don't have a particularly good record in those three seasons with him as quarterback. And I know wins aren't a quarterback stat, but there's just wild inconsistencies you have to deal with with him. He was phenomenal in the first half last year and terrible in the second half of games last year. He had a, a 115 passer rating in the first half of games last year. And, and just for context, Matt Ryan led the NFL with 117 and Tom Brady was second with a 112 passer rating for the, for the whole season. So Kaepernick proved to be an elite level quarterback in the first half of games. And then his quarterback rating went all the way down to 70 in the second half of games and he completed fewer than 50% of his passes. So I, I mean, I, I don't really know what you attribute to that. Is it, is it a Colin Kaepernick thing? Was it a Chip Kelly thing? Obviously they didn't have a ton of talent around them. So that's, a, that's a huge factor too. But when you look at rebuilding this thing uh, and starting from scratch on the six year deal, <clears throat> you know, I don't know what the 49ers can really accomplish given the way this team is constructed. And, and, you know, people have talked about Seattle as an example, as a, as a potential destination for Kaepernick. And I think, you know, if he's going to succeed, he needs to be on a team with a really good running game and a really good defense. 
And right now the 49ers do not have a really, really good defense. They, they're coming off arguably the worst statistical defensive season of, of in their franchise history. So I think what he needs is he needs to be in a scenario where he is not the focal point of the football team. And whether that that's, you know, he, he joins a team and to, to compete for a starting job that, that has a good defense and has a good running game where he could be an asset with his legs, or he goes somewhere like Seattle, a stable organization with a really good defense where he could be a backup. And potentially, you know, if Russell Wilson went down and Colin Kaepernick's on your team, you could feel pretty good about Colin Kaepernick in the playoffs just because you could say, all right, we're going to, we're going to run the ball. We're not going to take many chances and we're going to let our defense carry us as far as we can go. Because I think it's been proven these last couple of years that Colin Kaepernick isn't going to be able to carry your football team on his own. And I don't know the 49ers are built to be successful right now with Colin Kaepernick as their quarterback. So, you know, it, I, I'm curious to see what the market's going to be like for him. I don't think it's going to be super robust, particularly as a starter. I think he's going to have to go compete somewhere for um, for a starting job. I think he'll probably make somewhere within, I don't know, 6 to $10 million uh, per season, probably a two- or three-year deal at the most, something that a team could get out of if, if they don't like what they see. I just – no, there, there. He he takes a ton of sacks. Um, he's quick to leave the pocket and and, and try to s- scramble. Uh, the one thing he he's very good at is is not throwing interceptions. But it's mostly because he doesn't take chances. He's not particularly accurate. It's, he's not avoiding interceptions because he's because he's you know fitting balls in the tight windows most of the time. It's because he's just not. Uh, not taking many chances at all, and and that could be because the 49ers didn't have any you know, any receivers that were really worthy of his trust these last couple of years. So, you know, it seems like he's kind of moved on. I think, I think he, he would like a fresh start. He spends a lot of time in New York these days. Um, so, you know, he, he has everything going on off the field and, and, you know, just from that standpoint, and, and I haven't heard anything like this and it sounds like he's committed to playing football next year, but you look at everything he's doing and all the time he's spending um, with charities and, and with his foundation and, and all of those things. And it makes you wonder how much longer he's committed to playing football because he, he seems to really enjoy and be passionate about um, serving his community and, and backing his backing different organizations that, that share his, his views on, on, you know, his societal views and racial discrimination and, and those things. So I, I think the 49ers are probably better off going in a different direction, particularly if they can get a, a veteran who fits Kyle Shanahan's offense, who has familiarity with it, whether that's Brian Hoyer or if it's Kirk Cousins. It sounds like the 49ers are going to be pretty aggressive in, in trying to cry Kirk Cousins out of Washington. Um, or, it, you know, if, if they can convince the, the, the Patriots to, to trade them Jimmy Garoppolo, I think that's an interesting scenario for sure. Um, but I, I just think the 49ers probably need a break from Colin Kaepernick. Colin Kaepernick probably needs a break from the 49ers. And at this point, you know, he's going to go see what the market holds. And, and if it's not super robust and, and he decides that, you know, maybe I could give this, give this thing a shot with Kyle Shanahan and Shanahan says, well, you know, I don't think Shanahan would give him the starting job by any means, you know, right away. I think he's going to have to compete for the starting job with someone that knows the offense like Matt Schaub or Hoyer or Kirk Cousins. So, um, you know, I know Kaepernick's a really popular player given all the success he had in 2012 and 2013, but 
He's not the same player that he was. The 49ers are not the same team that Kaepernick had uh, back then, and, and they're not really built, they're not really constructed right now to have to play the type of game that, that Kaepernick needs to play in order to be successful. So I think it might be smart for him to, to try to go elsewhere. You know, yeah, I, just... I, I definitely agree with that. And, and one of just the, the most interesting stories to me, and you mentioned it right now, is the Kirk Cousins one, where I just think this is a situation of, of where there's smoke, there's fire. And if you, if you look at the situation for the Redskins, here's a guy that won. They didn't want to commit $40, $50 million guaranteed in a long-term deal to him, you know, last year or whatever it was. So the notion to me that they're going to pay him another $24 million this year, which would be $44 million guaranteed over the last two years, and then lose him for nothing next year, which looks like that's the way it's going. It doesn't look like he wants to sign there, and they're very far apart on a deal. I just don't see that happening. And I think eventually Washington's going to say to themselves, listen, the best thing we can do right now is trade this guy and, and get the best offer for him. And we know, like you said, the 49ers are very interested in Cousins. Shanahan loves him. Shanahan was one of the main reasons that Washington drafted him. And I see the Niners being very aggressive in trying to get him. Now, I want to ask you your thoughts on that, but I just wanted to say before I do, there's some back and forth with Cousins where is he worth that kind of contract? Is he worth the Niners, you know, paying a high price for it? And I kind of want to say this, you know, I understand he has his flaws, but I look at Cousins two ways. One, going into Shanahan's offense, Who's to say he's hit his ceiling? He could be a lot better than he has been because every quarterback has been with, with Shanahan. And the other thing is, listen, the Niners haven't had a quarterback throw for over 3,500 yards or over 21 touchdowns since 2001. It's not like quarterbacks have been growing off trees for the last 15 years. So I, I think it's worth trying to acquire Cousins. What, what do you think, Chris? Do you think the Niners should, should go all in on Cousins to try to get him? Yeah, I think you know a, a lot of people like to look at quarterbacks and, and the minutia of contracts and first production and numbers and everything like that. The bottom line is in the NFL, you have to pay your quarterback. I mean, Joe Flacco, you know, for for a few years was one of the highest paid quarterbacks in the NFL just because he was a proven solution and and they won a Super Bowl. And then you look at his numbers, you know, he his numbers aren't among you know the top three or four the three or four best quarterbacks like he's getting paid. So you have to pay your quarterback. And for the 49ers, it really doesn't matter if he's going to make 18 million a year or 24 million a year, they need a quarterback. And so, you know, you look at cousins numbers the last two years, he threw over, he's thrown for over 9,000 yards in in two seasons. He led the league in completion percentage uh, in 2015. He was third in yardage last year. Uh, you'd like to see more production in terms of scoring and, and red zone offense from them. But I think, you know, Kyle Shanahan can, could scheme that up. And if they <clears throat> improve the personnel, I think that would, that would make a lot of sense for the 49ers. And, and it would be, I mean, it, you know, you could say what you want about Kirk Cousins. And, and I know there are a lot of preconceptions about him and the, he, his best season was nine and seven as a starter, which isn't great. But last year, Washington had the had the third best offense in the NFL in terms of yardage, and and the defense was really the reason why they didn't get into the playoffs. So, I, I think you know, like you mentioned, this is a guy, a quarterback who's entering his prime. He's going to be 29. He has two really productive seasons under his belt. He'll be he'll be in an offense that he's totally comfortable with. That's very complex and. And he gets rid of the ball quickly. He doesn't take sacks. Um, he's accurate on short throws and deep throws. I think he's sort of everything that that you look for in a quarterback, just only what, what he doesn't have is that long string success. And if he was successful, then Washington would try to sign him. 
But I think regardless, <clears throat> you have to pay your quarterback. And, and you know, whether you want to say, you know, I, I'm comfortable with Kirk Cousins getting paid $17 million versus, <clears throat> you know, someone will say, I think he's worth $23 million a year. It doesn't really matter, ultimately, because you just have to pay your quarterback. So the 49ers have cap space. They need a franchise quarterback. It's not a particularly inspiring draft class at the position this year. Um, and they're operating from a, from a position of leverage because, you know, like you said, it, it doesn't sound like there's been no indication that, that Washington and Cousins are going to come to a long-term contract. So it makes all the sense in the world for them to trade him now rather than give him all this guaranteed money just to lose him next year for a, for a compensatory pick. So, yeah, I think just in terms of the familiarity Cousins has with, with Kyle Shanahan and, and the, the potential of, of him taking that next step, like you mentioned, um, as he gets into his prime, uh, I think he could be a, a really intriguing option. And, and it's the, the thing is that there aren't really better options right now. You know, that you could bring in Brian Hoyer and, and draft, you know, Mitch Trubisky or whatever, Deshaun Watson. And, and you know, I, th- I think that their best path to win games next year and, and the year after that is with somebody who's established and who knows, who knows Shanahan's complicated system. So, um, I think Kirk Cousins would be smart at the right price. I don't know that I would give up multiple first-round picks for him, particularly this offseason, just because the 49ers have so much leverage, knowing that Cousins will probably just hit free agency this time next year. Uh, so if they can do it at the right price, I think it absolutely makes sense for sure. Yeah, you mentioned uh, you mentioned the draft and and not really being an inspiring quarterback class. Um, oh, by the way, I just want to point out that this is breaking news. Um, Washington receiver, uh, UW receiver John Ross might have just broken the forty record at the combine. He just ran an unofficial four two two forty. Oh my god! So that that is ridiculous. Yeah, that's fast. yeah that's that's, that's ridiculous. So, um, as as a side note, he also qualifies himself to win an island from Adidas um, by running the fastest forty time. So, <laughs> <laughs> to our, to our listeners out there, if you want to win an island, strap on your cleats, head to the combine, and just run the fastest forty time. Simple as that. Yeah, I'm watching, I'm watching the video now. He's 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 quick. Yeah, that's that's unreal. So, um, you know, put your GM hat on for a second, and we'll include you know John Ross in this discussion too. Um, if you have the number two pick, and hopefully your GM hat doesn't say Trent Balky on it, <laughs> if you have the number two pick, who do you see coming to the 49ers, and what do you see the 49ers doing with that second uh, with that second overall pick? If I were the 49ers, I would talk up every single prospect that's slated to go in the top 10 and be incredibly optimistic about all of them and then do everything I could behind closed doors to try to trade back. Um, be, because you, you look at where they're at number two. I mean, if Miles Garrett goes to Cleveland like everyone expects, the 49ers are in a weird spot, particularly because the, the quarterback class isn't all that great. Um, it might even be hard for them to trade back just because, you know, no one's really sure about Mitch Trubisky or Deshaun Watson or, or Deshaun Kaiser. So, you know, they'll be looking at Jonathan Allen, who could be a great player, but they've invested, you know, first round picks and defensive linemen the last couple of years. Um, do they want to do it again or, or do they maybe move somebody? Do they trade Quinn Dial or, you know, Eric Armstead, who would who would really only be limited to a to a part time role? Uh, if if they took Jonathan Allen, is, is that the avenue they want to go down? Reuben Foster was apparently didn't really didn't do well in his in his combine interviews, and he's dealing with a shoulder injury that's going to have him out till summer. And he was kicked out of the combine, 
What yeah, the red heck flags happened? now with him, yeah. Red I mean, flags now. Yeah, he was kicked out of the combine last night, which obviously isn't gonna isn't gonna reflect well on him. So is is he gonna drop out of the top ten? I think that's a legitimate possibility. Um, is it gonna be a reach to take someone like Mike Williams or Corey Davis at number two? Uh probably. Um, you know, is there another edge rusher that they could take it to? Is is Derek Barnett gonna be that guy? Um or the Missouri kid? I I mean for for me, I think they need to they, they should try to trade back. Um, I, you know, I, I think Malik Hooker from Ohio State would make tons of sense. I'm not entirely sold on the idea of Jimmy Ward moving back to free safety, just given his durability issues. I think he could play it, and I think he could play it well. But I, I, I think you have to wince at the idea of, of you know, Jimmy Graham running over the middle and and Jimmy Ward having to collide with him full speed. Uh, you know, he ended the season with a shoulder injury. He's had his foot issues in the past. I, I think the best way to, to maximize Jimmy Ward's value is going to be to leave him on, on at cornerback on the outside. So, you know, he could, he could preserve himself physically. Um, so I think Malik Hooker would make a lot of sense in, in the, with the second pick, just because he has so much range. He can be that Earl Thomas player um, that is so important to the Seahawks scheme and, and having uh, eight guys in the box and one guy deep and you know he's a ball hawk you look at all the interceptions that he had and and you know he's he's almost Ed Reed like in the way that he returns interceptions for touchdowns I think he had three last year so uh, I think right now just just given just given the shape of the team and I, I say Malik Hooker is probably the best fit for that number two pick but like I said I'm probably trading back and, and you know it, if they move back to between you know 10 and 15 maybe they could get a, an extra first round pick or or a couple second round picks or some you know third round pick something that you know they need as many rolls of the dice as possible in this draft or next year's draft to to rebuild this thing and and they have so many needs that I don't know you know I, I think the more picks the better and it's going to be a deep draft particularly on the defensive side when it comes to pass rushers or if they want to upgrade the secondary um, with the safety or, or something like that. So uh, the running back class, too, is, is good in this draft. I, I don't think the 49ers should take Leonard Fournette. Um, maybe Dalvin Cook would be an interesting guy if they did trade back. They met mm-hmm. with him yesterday. So, um, but yeah, I'd, I'd move back. That's, that, that's my, uh, my, where I'm at right now with in, early in the evaluation process. I think moving back is the best way to go. Yeah, Ruben Foster yep. was my draft crush, and at this, and, and it crushed me to hear that he was kicked out of the combine last night. I mean, you know, I should have picked somebody else. I should have uh, picked somebody that Seattle was going to pick for my draft crush. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I thought Foster was going to be a realistic option at number two, too, and, and now I have, who knows what's going to happen. Um, he's probably definitely going to fall now. But, you know, obviously this roster is going to go over a lot, a lot of turnover in the next couple of years, but there is some, some talent there. Chris, is there anyone holdovers from from last year that, that you see maybe having a breakout year this year or just somebody that you really like on the team that that 49ers fans should be excited about that's a holdover um yeah i think the forest buckner is really good um i think he's he's gonna be around for a long time i think you know he struggled with pad level and he was really young and and you know didn't really have some of that strength that you develop as you get into you know your your mid to late 20s I think he's a guy who's going to be a monster going forward, regardless of the scheme. Um, he trains with Michael Bennett. Uh, he could be a really good interior pass rusher like Bennett is. Um, you know, I'm, I'm curious to see who the 49ers use off the edge. I think, 
you know, Aaron Lynch, I, he, he looked really good as a rookie, um, kind of leveled off in his second year, and last year w- was pretty much a wash for him. So I, I think he could potentially come back um, and have a good year if he spends this offseason getting in shape. He was, you know, admittedly, he was around 300 pounds during the offseason last year, which was just mm. – yeah, way way too high for him. He needs he needed the team wanted him down in the two seventies. So it was it was tough for him to get back in shape. And then he was suspended and, and he had the ankle injury and all that. Um, but if Lynch is in shape, he could be a, a really important player for them. I think Jimmy Ward, uh, for whatever reason, anytime you praise Jimmy Ward on Twitter, fans come back at you calling him a bust and all that. I think he's a really good cornerback, and I think that should be the position that he settles on. Uh, playing cornerback and, and in the slot and, and sub packages, I think um, he's a good player there. Uh, I think Carlos Hyde is good if if he can stay on the field and, and if he gets if he gets good blocking along on the offensive line, I think he could be potentially a top five rusher. Um, but again, with him, it comes down to health and it comes down to his ability to know when to take hits and to know when to just get down. I think one of the reasons why Frank Gore has been so good for so long is because he knows when to take hits and knows when to just hit the deck and he's been able to avoid injuries and, and he's still a really productive player. And I think that's the reason why. And I think if, if Carlos has anything to really improve his game, to, to improve his game, it's, it's going to be that ability to know, you know, when to hit the deck, uh, when, to, when the run is over rather than trying to extend everything and, and take all these punishing shots. Um, you know, I think Vance McDonald could be a, a decent tight end with a good quarterback. Um, you know, I know obviously his hands were, were a huge issue early on, but I think he's a good blocker. I think he, he's a good athlete. You saw him run away from Luke, Luke Keekley in that Carolina game last year for that long touchdown. Um, I don't know that he's your surefire number one tight end, but I think he could do a lot worse if he's your second tight end. Um, so, you know, there are a couple guys. <laughs> that are good. I think Trent Brown is going to be good. Joe Staley is mm-hmm. obviously good. Um, Joshua Garnett in the running game is, is going to be good once he gets stronger. I think he needs to spend this entire offseason in the weight room, and, and he's going to be fine. Um, he You saw him get a little bit better in pass protection as the season wore on. Um, yeah, I mean, there there are some guys. It's not, you know, it's not like they have to find they have zero players. They they have a few. I mean, Navarro Bowman, um, depending on how he comes back from this Achilles tear, is obviously you know a four-time All-Pro and and the leader in that locker room. So they have that. Um, but yeah, I mean they're they're lacking in so many areas. But I think you look at those guys and and can say they're they're probably set at at those spots maybe uh, for the next few years at least. Yeah, Absolutely. it's nice. It's- it's it's sort of nice that we're not sitting on our hands during free agency as as uh you know the media and fans and and you know the 49ers organization for once. I I can't remember this level of ex- and it's not like a 10 out of 10. It's like, you know, like a 6 out of 10 in terms of excitement, but even then I can't remember the last time there was this much buzz around the 49ers uh at this time of the year. It's exciting time again for sure. Yeah, I mean I think I think Trent Falky I think the new the new regime has a lot to do with that, and um, yeah, John John Lynch uses positivity, and I think it's permeating to the fans for sure. Chris, I cannot thank you enough for your time today. This was great. You're officially the best guest we've ever had. So Thanks, Chris. We really appreciate it. <laughs> hey, um, I'm glad you. Chris, why don't you tell everybody where to find you? Where they can find you out there on Twitter and everything else? 
Yeah, we're at uh, we're starting year two at the Niners Wire with the USA Today Sports Media Group, um, and you know we we had a really good first year, um, and and we're looking to do a lot more the second year. Uh, we we publish a lot over at Niners Wire. Uh, you can find me on Twitter. You can find my contributor um, Kyle Madsen. He's on Twitter, Kyle A. Madsen. Um, Rob Louder is Rob underscore Louder, and I'm I'm at Chris Biederman. So, uh, yeah, you can find us there. You can find Niners Wire on Facebook, too. Um, yeah, so we're, uh, we, we try to publish multiple times a day and, and keep everything current for, for the readers out there. That's great. That's great. And Zane, where can, Zane is like one of the most underrated Twitter followers out there. Zane is fantastic for Niners. Zane, where can the fans uh, follow you on Twitter? So uh, my Twitter handle is at Zane49ers, um, and that's Z-A-I-N. Um, so Please give me a follow. Give me a shout out. Love to hear your feedback. Um, what we can do better. What you liked. What you didn't like. Um, just uh, just hit me up, and and I'll be happy to respond. Absolutely. Uh, we appreciate everyone listening today. I'm Al Sacco. You could follow me at Al Sacco Forty Nine. You could listen to the Forty Niners Web Zone No Huddle Podcast. We're on SoundCloud. We're on Google Play, and we're going to be on iTunes very soon. And also, you can just go to the website Forty ers Web Zone dot com. So thanks, everyone. Um, Keep an eye out for the show, and we will talk to you soon.